You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. God is good, amen? Amen. Yeah, last night, well, this weekend was very busy. It's Christmas time. Um, wow, it seems like really dark in here, doesn't it? Is it just me? Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably clouds or whatever. But um, <clears throat> yeah, very busy, very busy weekend uh, with Christmas, Christmas Eve, and I don't know when you guys celebrate, uh, but God's good. And he's like, you know, uh, I hope he was with you uh, during your celebrations. I uh, hope you brought, you know, the joy of Christ was, was in you, uh, was in your celebration this weekend. Amen? Amen. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really busy, and I, this morning, I, last night, I was like, I had made all these plans. I'm like, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. I'll, you know, shave and cut my hair and all this other stuff, whatever. And this morning, my alarm went off, and my body was like, where do you think you're, go- <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> where do you think you're going? And, um, yeah didn't happen. didn't happen at all, but that's okay. That's all right. God is good. So why don't we, uh, why don't we start? Um, this week we've been reading over, um, uh, we started with Matthew 1 and Matthew 2, and, and we're going to do Luke 2 and, uh, 1 and 2 as well uh, over the next two weeks. And so, um, well, maybe three weeks, right? Yeah, the next two, three weeks. And uh, let's start with uh, Matthew 1. Why don't we open up our Bibles? Amen. And we're going to start Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. All right, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her uh, public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to, and took Mary, to, uh, took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate the marriage until the, she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Um, your love, Lord, your mercy. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, Lord, even today. You speak to us through your word, Lord. You, th- you speak to us through others, Lord. We, you speak to us in dreams and visions and, and all that, Lord God. And we just thank you, Lord God, that you use us even today. I thank you that you use us even today, Lord God, to bring about your kingdom and your, your uh, uh, righteousness, your holiness, Lord, in this, in this world today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Man. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Have you ever been in a real spiritual, you know, difficult, spiritually difficult situation? Never? Okay. Ted said never. Um, but, yeah. But I don't know about you, but I know I have been. You know, caught between a rock and a hard place. You know that old saying, you know, you know, did you come to a crisis of belief? Did you wait to hear from God? Did you, did you seek spiritual counsel, you know, before you took action? Or did you take matters into your own hands? You know, did you overreact and do things, blow things way out of proportion? And if you did, are you willing to make amends? Are you willing to reflect and say, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, what are you trying to teach me through this process? Joseph, a man of character, you know, a man of character, chose to reflect upon the Spirit, the, the, the Spirit's appointed messenger in his life. Joseph found himself in an unwelcome nightmare, right? An unwelcome nightmare. But he chose to wait on God before he took action. I mean, are we willing to, 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 to wait on God to take action on things? You know, there was a time when Joseph thought the virgin birth was a spiritual impossibility. He thought it was impossible, right? Oh, he believed the Messiah would come from the Jewish nation. He did, you know, but he had no idea that God would use him in all of that. You know, he had no idea that, uh, you know, that God would give him such a high calling. That, that God would use him in the line of the Messiah. He had no idea that God's time was now and today in his life. Just like it may be now and today in your life. No, God has a purpose for, had a purpose for his life. And God has a purpose for your life. Amen? Amen. And through, their pur- and, and through that purpose, God brought Joseph to a crisis of belief. God will also bring you to a crisis of belief. And, and a crisis of belief is basically this, right? You got to believe that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? It's, it, it, you have to come to a point where you, believe, you have to believe that, you know, Without faith and reliance on God, Joseph would have made the wrong decision. He would have made the wrong decision. No, Joseph had a, was at a fork in the road. And, and he would, it, it was like, would he choose God? You know, would he choose to hear God's word and, and God's angel and adjust his life? Or would he choose to make, it up, make up his own mind and block out God's direction? You know, many of you are at the, at, at the same point in your life today. Many, all, many of us are. We're at the same, uh, same point in our, in our lives today. But Christmas is yesterday, and we're reading the accounts of, of the birth of, birth of Christ. And, and so in this Christmas season, I want to look at how God uses ordinary people. You know, are you feeling pretty ordinary? You know? That's great, <laughs> because God wants to use you. Amen. The Apostle Paul understood, it, uh, understood this, right? And in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's from the Lord and not from us. Now, God can work any way he chooses. He, he does not need you or any human, you know, to tell him how to work, you know, or to do, do, do anything. When he, chooses to he, when he chooses to use someone, he does not need um, someone who's socially accepted. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need someone that's wealthy or popular. He doesn't need any of those things. God has a pattern of using people, ordinary people whose character is equal to the task. Your character has to be equal to the task. Like Joseph, uh, you're not here, you're not where you are by accident. God allowed you to be here in Philadelphia, right? At Living Word. You know, in this spiritual, spiritually difficult area, you know, he, he has you here for a reason. Regardless of where we are, though, when, God, we, when we gain godly perspective like Joseph, God will reveal himself to us. He'll reveal himself to us. You know, God had begun his work in Joseph. You know, like Joseph, when we, when we give 100% of our life to Jesus, you know, to Christ's rule, you know, you will enter into a renewed covenant relationship with God. Like Joseph, when God brings spiritually, uh, spiritual, when God has spiritual authority in your life and you listen, you'll find God's purpose. You'll find his purpose in your, for your life. Many people never see their God-given purpose come to pass. They don't. Now, many people never, you know, you know, Many people, like, they, 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 they miss it because uh, they, they don't pass the character test. They don't pass the character test. You know, sadly, um, you know, when God, when, God wants, when God wants to shape, you know, our character and cleanse our lives of all, you know, that hinders us from, from, from fulfilling his purposes and for our lives, you know, he wants to shape us. And, and, and change us and, 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 uh, and cleanse us, right? So today I want to briefly review five lessons on how God shaped Joseph's character and how he responded uh, in his crisis of belief, all right? Sorry. Is it possible to get a water? I think. But um, I think there's some on the back, in the back there. Um, uh, first, God shapes ordinary people. That's number one, right? He shapes ordinary people. Joseph was an ordinary guy, you know, who lived in, this, in, in the time of Herod the Great, right? Jesus was born about 5 B.C., right? And we know this because the Bible says that the, says Herod was king. Uh, thank you. Herod was king, right? And Herod died about 4 B.C., and so now Herod was a successful king. Thank you. Mm, needed that. <clears throat> Still working on my voice. You know, been to the doctor, got to go to another doctor, but that's okay. No, God's going to do that. So Herod was a successful king, right? He brought uh, great wealth into the kingdom. You know, the economy was at full throttle then when Herod was king. You know, he spent money on lavish building projects. You know, he did massive, you know, he did a massive rebuilding of the temple. 
You know, and Rabbi said, you know, he who has not seen Herod's temple has not seen beauty. That's what they would say. He also built a theater, an amphitheater in Jerusalem. And this is the world that Joseph lived in at the time. You know, the Bible says that Joseph was a carpenter. You know, he taught Jesus, he taught Jesus to trade. You know, so let's, so let's jump in the way back, you know, and go way back to 2,020 years ago, right, or so, more. You know, you're a tradesman. You know, you know Joseph. You know, he's a carpenter, one of 25 separate trades that are, uh, that, that, that are mentioned in the Bible. And Joseph was an ordinary guy. He's an ordinary guy, you know, recognized by everyone. You know, who, you know who he is. You know Joseph. You know what he does. So you know about his family line. You know, you know him well, right? Tradesmen were recognized in, in, in the street, and everyone knew him. Um, and here's how they recognized him. Everybody knew him. And so, like, dyers back then, you know, carried a colored rag, and that's how you would know they were like a dyer. They would like dye like uh, different uh, materials and things like that. You know, tailors carried a, a large bone needle somewhere stuck in their, their, their upper garment. That's how you knew that they were a tailor. And carpenters, however, had a, had, a, had a wood chip behind their ear. And so it was like, you know, you see carpenters now, they have like a pencil or whatever in their ear or something like that. They had a wood chip in their ear. That's how you knew that they were a carpenter. And carpenters were, vi- were visible because they worked on all the pro- different major projects and things that, at that time or even small projects. You know, people ran into them all the time, right? People ran into carpenters all the time. And Joseph was an ordinary carpenter. Mary's husband was chosen by God to raise the, and nurture his son. He was an ordinary guy, you know? Joseph demonstrated incredible faith and trust in God, as well as obedience in times of dire circumstances. Now, he was a man of simple means whom God found faithful and trustworthy and obedient. Now, what greater privilege could someone have than to be the earthly father of, of, of the Son of God? It's a great privilege. Great privilege. And Joseph was a man God could use. Why did, but why did God choose to use ordinary Joseph in this way? This ordinary guy. You know, nobody, I guess, you know. Number two, he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. Although he was an ordinary man, he was a man of an impeccable character. He was a devout Jewish man. The Bible de- describes Joseph as a righteous man. What, you know, what did, it ter- what did the term, what did this term uh, mean for, for Jews for, and for Joseph? You know, it meant that he had a right relationship, had a right, there was a right relationship between God and man. And Joseph had a right relationship with God. You know, in Jeremiah 9, 24, it says, but let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the, the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord, who exercise kindness Justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. He delights in those things, declares the Lord. The, the idea that God was, was the, the idea that right, God was righteous and fair, you know, that's, that's what uh, a righteous person was. That's how we knew the person was righteous, right? They knew him as a guy who loved the law of Moses, 
and really had a, an uncompromising life. Being righteous simply means that he was, he was a man who not only knew uh, the law, but chose to obey it. Often we're, we're 50% like, like Joseph. A lot of times we're 50% like him. No, but are we the half of Joseph who knows the word of God? Or are we like the other half who does what it says? Do we just hear the word or do we do it? Do we take what we know and obey it? It was obedience, it was obedience that made Joseph a righteous man. But, but it also meant that he was also, you know, he was also, uh, he was righteous, but he's also fair in dealing with fellow men, right? In Deuteronomy 24, 13, it says, return their cloak by sunset so, the, so that your neighbor may sleep in it. Then they will thank you, and it will be regarded as righteous, as a righteous act in the sight of the Lord your God, right? They knew him as a righteous man and a fair guy, right? He was a fair guy who cared for the needy. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see this in his attitude towards Mary. You know, he chose not to drag her in front of the judges and, and, and the city gates and allege her adultery, and with alleged adultery, right? He had the right to. He had the right to do that. Because that's what they did. It's, it's, it's that those, those are the things that they did at, in, those time, in that time. You know, but he chose not to do that. You know, this was a spiritually dark time in the nation of Israel. But his life was a light. His life was a light to the people. In Psalm 112, 4, it says, Even in darkness, light dawns up, from, it dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. He's an example to us. Joseph is an example to us. You know, number three, he faced a crisis of belief. He had a predicament, right? Had this thing going on. You know, Joseph was caught between a rock and a hard place. You know, he was pledged to be married to a young peasant girl named Mary. She was about 14 years old, right, at the time. And most of us might think, okay, wow, you know. You know, it's a little confusing to us, right? She's 14 years old. She's pledged to be married. You know, and that culture is not... Is, it, to us, is like another planet, right? That culture is, like, crazy. You know, Matthew says that they were pledged to be married. In other words, they were engaged, right? And, that, and, and, and then refers to Joseph as her husband, which is kind of, you know, strange. They were just engaged, you know. Um, but, you know, but here's, you know, and then he refers to Joseph as her husband, and he speaks about divorce, giving her a divorce, you're like, well, wait, they're just engaged. How is he going to divorce them, right? That's kind of weird. But here's what that means, though. In that day, th th marriage was a three-step process, right? Three-step process. The first step was engagement. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a contract arranged by the family, right? It, you know, it was a family. It was a family, not the young people who determined the future marriage partner, which we find very, like, weird, right? It's very strange, you know. You know, this arrangement was normally made when they were both children, though. The arrangement often took place without the couple ever having, having even seen each other, you know. 
this early matchmaking, you know, it wasn't binding, right? The early matchmaking wasn't binding. The families, not the young people, could could decide if they they um, it could could decide if they couldn't go through with the marriage, right? And so, secondly, the second step was betrothal, which was binding. Like, if you were betrothed, you were, it was binding. It was legally they were husband and wife, even though during this time, you know, they had not lived together. They don't live together at all. It was, sim- it was similar to engagement, but it was more stricter. It was much, way stricter, right? So the waiting period was a year, and a year was to demonstrate the faithfulness and the, and the pledge of purity given concerning the bride. If she was found to be with child in this period, she obviously had, had been involved with, in an unfaithful sexual relationship, right? Therefore, marriage could be annulled. It could be annulled. The betrothal could then be terminated by legal divorce. And, you know, the third step was consummation. And this, that's where, that's where the, uh, Joseph and Mary were at this time. You know, so the third step was consummation. This meant the couple came together as man and wife, you know, consummated their, their, their union, you know, and they were, they were living together at that time. You know, it was, it was during the betrothal part that Mary was discovered to be pregnant. They weren't living together. You know, they weren't even living in the same village, I don't believe. No, they, had, they hadn't even seen each other in a while. And yet Mary was expecting a child. Now, place yourself in Joseph, uh, Joseph's shoes, you know, in that strict society. Now, wouldn't you cringe? You'd be like, oh, uh, you know. So, wouldn't you be embarrassed? What would you think? What would you think? You would have thought that Mary was unfaithful to you. Joseph thought the same thing. He thought the same thing. You know, Man's initial thoughts and reactions are not God's. They're not God's. But we're human. You know, we understand why Joseph thought that way. We understood that. You know, he had, he had never had sex with her until after Jesus was born. She was a virgin until the birth of Jesus. So he jumped to conclusions. He jumped to the conclusion that Mary had been unfaithful to him. But Joseph's actions, his actions, tell us a lot about about his character. Tells us a lot about his character. We know that he loved Mary. You know, the Bible says that he did not want to disgrace her. He didn't want to disgrace her. So he decided to divorce her quietly. Since the engagement was a legal contract, he, he decided to give her, you know, a certificate of divorce. He acted kindly towards her. You know, that's why, the, that's why the Bible says he was righteous. The certificate of divorce gave her legal protection, right? He was willing to meet her, fin- to meet her financial needs and things like that. You know, secondly, he would, uh, she would be free to remarry at that point. You know, like Joseph, you'll be, con- you'll be um, confronted with a choice. You'll be confronted with a choice. The choice is, do I live by, out my faith by the letter of the law, right, or out of love? Do, you, do I live out my faith by the letter of the law or out of love? And Joseph chooses love. 
He chose love. He's really blessing her. He really is. You know, his motive and intentions were honorable. You know, even though he had not yet, you know, heard from God about what to do. His intentions were honorable. You know, by, divorcing, um, by di- divorcing Mary quietly, you know, rather than publicly, you know, Joseph put his reputation at risk instead of Mary's reputation. He put his reputation at risk instead of Mary's. Joseph wanted to do the right thing in, the, in a way that, that held her honor, not his own. No, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. His crisis of, be- of belief was this. Would he, make matters, would he take matters into his own hands, or will he wait for God to speak to him? So number four is that he adjusted his life to God's plans. He adjusted his life to God's plans. Just when he was at his low point, God sent an angel in a dream with a message. Joseph knew that God speaks through, gene, through dreams. You know, Joseph sp- God spoke to another Joseph, right, in Israel. You know, in a dream when he was, uh, when, uh, when he was in Egypt, I'm sorry. And, and the dream was fulfilled in the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel, Israel was saved from famine. They were saved from famine. The miracle of Joseph at Christmas is, that, is the fact that Joseph believes God's messenger and acted upon it. He believed the angel and acted upon it. The miracle is that a sensible and a good man, a man named Joseph, acts contrary to the obvious evidence. He sees and knows the implications and, and, and still acts contrary to it. How often, do, how often do we do that? You know, we see, you know, oh, this, this is the evidence. It's got to be what it is. You know, and we go about that. But, but Joseph acts contrary to what evidence that is, that is there. You know, when God speaks, it's always the right thing to do. When he speaks, it's always the right thing to do. Joseph, like, like Mary, hears the angel and believes. He believes and moves over to where God was working. He didn't stay where he was. He moved where God was working. He adjusted his walk. He adjusted himself, his belief, everything else to God's, you know, what God was doing. You know, the angel was God's spokesperson, and God revealed his will and purpose for Joseph and Mary. That authority was sent by God. All spiritual authorities and appoint, are appointed and sent by God. Amen? Joseph did not reject the authority and the messenger of God. He didn't reject them. In essence, the message of, of Joseph was, like, was this, right? He said, your intentions are honorable, but you have things turned around. Your intentions are honorable, but you have things turned around. God says, says to us, let's get things straight right? You know, I have the right to rule over your life. That's what God says. I set a high price for rebellion. You know, I pour out safety and blessing for obedience. That's what God says. 
And Joseph understood those principles, and that's why God used him. That's why God used him. You know, Joseph was submissive to God's authority. You know, his obedience was revealed in, in his actions toward the, the spoken authority that was given to him. When God gives command or vision of truth, it is never a question of what he will do, but what we will do. It's never a question about what he's going to do. It's about what we're going to do, you know. To be successful in God's work, uh, in God's work to f- is to fall in line uh, w- with his will and to do it. And to do it his way, not our own way, right? Now, many times in churches today, we, we, we have great intentions. We have great intentions. We nod and smile and agree with the authority over us. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do that. Thank you. And then we don't, right? Because it's not that important to us. It's not important to us, right? This is nice or like pleasant rebellion, right? But don't be fooled. Don't get it, you know, don't get it twisted, right? Nice rebellion is, de- is as deadly and as blatant rebellion with an attitude. It's the same. You know, neither is honored by the Lord. Neither one is honored by the Lord. Now, what if Joseph would have said, great idea, you know, to take Mary as my wife, but there's no way I could do that. I can't do that. I can't do that at all. No, there's no way. I cannot bear to take on the pain and ridicule. Life is too short, right? Somebody else can help her, you know, help her out. I have, I have other responsibilities. That's your vision, God, not my vision. What if Joseph said that? You know, but Joseph was li- willing to listen and obey. He knew the story of God's people. When Moses confronted the Israelites, uh, they said, we don't, need your, we, don't, we don't need your advice. Get out of here, man. You know, you're, you're, messing with, you're, messing with, uh, uh, you're messing around with us. You're messing with us in, in our lives. Get out of here. Don't do that. Uh, we, don't want, we don't need you here. You know, Joseph, Joseph's entire society lived out the repercussions of disobedience. I wonder what would have happened if Joseph had that attitude. Thank God he didn't. No, he adjusted his life to God's plans. You know, the fifth one is, you know, Joseph's obedience allowed God to fulfill his purpose for his life. It allowed God to fulfill his purpose for Joseph's life. Jesus was adopted as the true son of, of David, just as it becomes Mary's role to, to allow Jesus to be born the son of God. His obedience gives us courage to live our calling in love, walking by faith. Walking by faith. You know, J- Joseph was an obedient man. That does not mean that, you know, he had no fears. He had fears, yep. Yeah. I'm sure he had fears. But he knew that God, who, had, who said, fear not, for I am with you, right? Be not dismayed, for I am your God, for I will help you. I will strengthen you by my, by, by my victorious right hand. He knew that God said that, even though he has fears. Now, there are times, like Joseph, when you'll be caught between a rock and a high, high, hard place. Don't ever react. The Holy Spirit is trying to speak into your life to get your attention. It's a character test, right? So don't let your emotions lead you astray. 
The devil would have won the victory if Joseph would not have, would, would, if Joseph would have backed off from, from the calling. The word of God, you know, prayer and godly counsel will put you on the right track. Joseph listened, heard, contemplated, and changed course. He changed his direction. The Bible says that Joseph did as the angel commanded. He took Mary home to be his wife. By doing this, Joseph was being obedient to the call of God in his life. He adjusted his plans to God's plans. He was claiming responsibility for Mary's child. Joseph was courageously obedient to God. You know, and in the story, we learn three lessons about obedience. First of all, we learn there's a cost for the call of God on your life. There's a cost for it. In the story, we see when God decides to do something, um, he doesn't look for public approval. Right? If you choose to obey Jesus, there'll be a day when your reputation uh, and, and your loved ones get, you know, in the rep- reputations of your reputation and the rep- reputation of your loved ones, sorry, I can't even speak, right, <laughs> uh, will be nailed, uh, get nailed along the way. Be called into question. There may be, there may be times when the people think about, you know, what people think about you uh, is just stupid. It's just dumb. They think things about you like, you know, whatever, you know. But it, it comes with the territory. It's part of the cost of following the call of God. In Joseph's day, the people had their opinions. Just like today, people have their opinions. It's all over social media when they have their opinion, right, about you or anybody else. But they had their very wrong opinions. That's why it takes courage to be obedient. You have to be willing to say, it doesn't matter to me what anyone else thinks. You know, it matters to me only what God wants for my life. No, this is the attitude of Paul, right? In Galatians 1, 10, he says, I am now, am I, am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to, to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would, I would not be a servant of Christ. Courageous obedience means that you're willing to, co- to count the cost of God's call on your life. The second lesson we learn from the, from the story of Joseph is this. You know, character is more important than reputation, right? Way more important than reputation. Joseph could have made the, his reputation his top priority. He could have become uh, defensive. You know, he, but we had, but he would focus, but he would have focused on the circumstances instead of God's call on his life. When we become defensive, we, cir- we focus on the circumstances, not on the call. You know, if you, you've heard the saying, your reputation is who people think you are. Your character is who you really are. Your reputation is who people think you are, but your character is who you really are. God chose Joseph and Mary because of who they are, who they were, not because of whom, not because what people thought they were. If we protect our reputation no matter what the cause, you know, in the end, our reputation is all we'll have. And there's no, subs- there's no substance uh, to the image 
Those, uh, those are people who are not ready to be used by God. You know, in the movie, there's a movie that came out years ago uh, called, it's Bruce, Bruce Willis movie called The Kid, right? And it's when, you know, Bruce Willis meets himself and, as a kid and, you know, it's like, anyway, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I thought it was a good movie. But Bruce Willis plays a, uh, an image consultant, right, who knows how to play the game of, of public opinion. That's, that's, the, that's the role he plays, right? And on the surface, he has it all. He has everything. He's handsome, well-dressed, successful, rich, influential. You know, but behind the image, there's no substance at all. No substance at all. Just a, it's just a glamorous, you know, one-dimensional illusion. He's empty. He's empty. God is not interested in my reputation. He's not. He's interested in my character. God sees our character when nobody else is looking. Joseph was a man of character. The Bible says he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. And it says in verse 19, it says, And so when he was faced with the situation of Mary's pregnancy, he acted in a way that would, be, that would, protect, you know, that would protect his character, not his reputation. He was wise right? He evaluated the situation and listened for God to speak into it. That's why God was able to use Joseph. That's why he was able to use Joseph. Obedience takes courage, you know, because we have to be willing to protect our character, even at the cost of sacrificing reputation. Now, here's the third uh, lesson we learned from Joseph's obedience, right? Your obedience opens the door for God's involvement in your life and in your world. Your obedience opens the door for God's involvement in your life and in your world. If you have an obedient spirit, God can use you, regardless of your circumstances. Even if no one else can, you know, can see your potential, right? Even if no one else can see your potential, God sees it. He can use you, in that, and he can use you. No, and if you are disobedient, God won't use you significantly, even if the entire world thinks you're wonderful. Even if the entire world thinks you're wonderful, he, won't, he can't use you. He won't use you, you know? God won't use you significantly when, you know, uh, in those areas. God will wait until your character is developed, and before, uh, he'll wait for your, your character to be developed before he will use you in his major assignment for your life. Think about it for a minute. What if Joseph had not been obedient? What if he had decided, you know, to save his reputation and disgrace Mary? Now, after all, it was, it, was, it was his dream, right? It was just a dream. The, the angel came to him in a dream, like, that, you know, it doesn't have to be real. You know, what would have happened? By law, she would have been stoned to death. That's what would have happened. She'd been stoned to death. You know, Joseph's, you know, disobedience could have placed a wrench into God's plan of salvation. Because of Joseph's courageous obedience, though, Jesus was, Jesus was born into the world. And though his life and death, and through his life and death, you know, he paid the price for his sins, for our sins. 
The consequences of the consequences of your obedience go far beyond your personal life. It goes way beyond your personal life. You're not on an island, right? Even though some people, some of us may think we are. When you defy the word of God, God's spiritual authority in your life will have disastrous, disastrous implications uh, in your life as well as in, in your life as well as others. It will have disastrous implications if we don't obey. Joseph, Joseph's act of obedience did uh, not only change his life, but changed the world forever. It changed the world forever. We need to keep in mind, we, keep, we need to keep this in mind because the consequences of our obedience may not always be immediately obvious. A lot of times it's not obvious when we, you know, when we obey something that God does. When God calls us to do something and we do it, it's not always obvious when, when, when that happens. You know, you may, not be see, you may not even see it on this side of eternity. But the fact is, your obedience to the call of God on your life could change the lives of thousands, even millions of people, you know? So do you know who um, Mordecai Ham was? Mordecai Ham? Anyone? Right? He was, a, he was just a revival preacher, right, from the early 20th century, who traveled primarily through the South, right, preaching in a tent. There was nothing about him that, you know, would qualify him, you know, for, you know, inclusion in the history books. Nothing. Except one night, he issued an invitation for people to come forward to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And a teenager came forward named Billy Graham. When Mordecai Ham responded to, to the call to preach, God's call to preach, he had no way of knowing, no way of knowing the impact his obedience would have on the entire world. You know, his faithfulness had, to, had a spiritual impact on many, including many who are in our congregation. You know, by being, by, by being obedient to the calling of God, you, like Mordecai Ham, like Joseph and Mary, will be used by God to touch someone's life who will turn who, who in turn can touch millions of lives. Don't ever believe the lie of Satan that God cannot use you. Don't ever believe that. The Lord can use you. He will use you. He's, he can, he, he's ready. He's ready to use you. Like Joseph, we simply need to adjust our lives to his voice and, and be obedient to his direction. So Joseph disappeared completely from history, right, after, teen, after the teenage years of Jesus. But what I remember him for is this. He knew that God was in charge, and he was not. He knew that God was in charge, and he wasn't. You know, he believed the rewards of obedience are well worth the costs involved. You know, he was a man who listened to the voice of God and adjusted his life. He adjusted his life. Your, your obedience uh, in, his, in its own way fulfills God's plan. And it can help to change the world forever and see an entire city an entire city in revival. We can see the city in revival. You know, 
Will you choose to be like Joseph, by, like the Joseph of, Joseph of Christmas? Will you choose to be like him? He was a person who heard, who heard God's voice through his messenger and adjusted his life to God's plan. And that's one of the reasons why we celebrate Christmas today. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, your love and mercy. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you can use us for your kingdom, Lord, for your um, advancement, Lord, of your gospel, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you can use us and that you do use us. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we will be people, Lord, who are willing to adjust our lives, to adjust our lives, Lord, for, in, for your plans, for what you want. Lord, this is the end of the year, uh, this calendar year, Lord God. We Soon we're going to celebrate a new year, 2022. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would, as your people, be able to adjust our lives, Lord, to your calling, to your plan for our lives. Lord, that we would be, you know, willing to, to, to know that you're in charge and we're not. Lord, and that we're willing to obey what you've called us to do. So, Lord, we just give you praise and honor today, today Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for how, how good you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen.